You're a value-based person. Am I value-based? Okay, and I'm so, an approval-based person, so I'm coming in here just worrying that you guys like me and yeah, like let, what I do for you. Let's make me the guinea pig. Yeah. You guys can just... Okay. If I start weeping, though, we're not going to publish yeah, this. There you go. Okay. <laughs> You're going to get to all Nick's daddy issues. <laughs> I got a great relationship with my <laughs> just dad. kidding. I bet that you expect respect from everyone. That's all I need. It's just a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what that means to me, Jason. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. Welcome to Making Chips, the longest-running manufacturing podcast, equipping and inspiring manufacturing leaders since 2015. Holy cow. I'm Jason Zenger, and I will be your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Golner, and we are going to discuss three root motivations. How you doing right. today, Nick? Let me guess. Respect is one of them. Respect is one of them. I'm yes, feeling sir. respected. I'm feeling approved, and I'm feeling valued. Are you feeling loved? No, just those three. Okay, because <laughs> those are the only three there is, and we're going to talk about that. What does motivate you? Like, why do you wake up in the morning? I mean, so I have like some eternal motivation. Sure, you know, I want to be glorifying to my God, of yeah. course. But what about like actually you know, going to work? I think honestly, like I should probably think about those more than I do. Uh huh. We're a multi generational family business. It's grown consistently, so it's perpetuation. Yeah, of- yeah. I want to keep that going, not just for like the financial growth of the business, but I want to keep building a legacy because I'm proud of it. So is it like approval? Like you want to make Dad proud? No, it's really not that. Are you sure about that? He's probably proud of me already. I don't really I don't, care. I don't think he is. I mean, I think I care. I want him to be proud of me. I don't think me, he's but, proud of you uh, at all. Maybe he's not. Maybe I'm going to get grounded <laughs> if I don't hit my sales targets. Yeah, you better. <laughs> so in this episode of Making Chips, we're going to discuss the three root motivations, respect, value, and approval. And we're going to discuss how these affect us and our leadership and our team. So like everyone has a root motivation and how understanding those motivations can help us to be a better leader. Now, one of the things that we want to have a disclaimer about is keep in mind that these root motivations are based in a wisdom and a faith that both Nick and I share and our guest shares. But even if you don't share that same faith, please stick with us to find out how they apply to you practically, because I think that you're going to really find that there is a lot of wisdom in these root motivations, and it's really going to help you to be a better manufacturing leader. But before we go there, we've got our new segments that we're doing, right, Nick? Yes, we are. We talked about it on the last show. Okay. We've called them the sides, right? The they sides. go along with the main course. Okay. And you've selected one for us today. So what Yeah. Is yeah. We're going to talk about manufacturing leader spotlight. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The leadership spotlight. The leadership spotlight. Yeah. I want to highlight a gentleman from my team, Mike Ruge. He's new to making chips and is going to go along with the theme of this 
this podcast, but you mean new to Zengers. I'm sorry, what did I say? New to making chips. Oh yeah, he's not with making chips. He's new to Zengers, exactly. And we showed up this morning. I gave him like kind of sort of a vision for putting together this new podcast studio. And we showed up this morning and it looks amazing. Yeah, and we're gonna, gonna be posting some photos yeah. from the studio, but I am impressed. Yeah. I was like joking, hey, next time we record, hopefully you can get that ready. And he's like, Oh, you should pray for me. I have a tight deadline. And so uh man, it's awesome. In yeah, here. it is awesome. I'm in just here. missing a cigar and a glass of beer. I know. It looks like kind of like a little bit of a man cave. I mean, yeah. we got like dark colors and leather chairs and wood and it's going to be we're a really cool in studio. Your office, right, exactly. And we're going to have some cameras set up pretty soon so you're going to be able to see what it looks like. But Mike's made a really big impact with me, with the team. When I hired him, I was looking for an assistant. And after talking to him, I'm like, this guy's got a lot more than an assistant in him. And he wanted to be more than an assistant. He's quickly grown to be now like our integrator, his official title is experience director. Yeah, we where, talked about that on the Yeah, we talked episode. about it with Peter Eamon, where he's in charge of like all of the experience of our clients, the experience of our team members, the experience of our partners. And he's got kind of a unique background. He actually was a pastor for many, many years here locally in Chicago. And now we are blessed to have him on our team and he's made a really big impact. I mean, every team, we have an amazing culture and like I think everybody when they come here, they can kind of feel it like how we're like a family. Everybody it gets along well, but you're always going to have conflict. And one of the things that Mike does really well is he resolves those and he resolves them in a manner that I just don't have the wisdom or the experience to be able to do. And when I talked to him about it, because I threw some of these things at him like right away and he's like, this is fine. I'm like, dude, are you doing okay? Because I'm throwing a lot of issues at you right away. Not just conflict, but like just a lot of different stuff. And he's like, I got this. He was like, when I was a pastor, I was dealing with death. I was dealing with divorce. I was dealing with just children problems. He was like, I was dealing with a lot of stuff. This is no problem. Yeah, that's really cool. You know what else I really like? And back to, we always talk about the experience title, I feel like lately, but you don't just say it's the customer experience. It's the experience of your own employees. And we have this mission at our company to make your customer successful. And we quickly explain like the customer is not just who buys the product. It's whoever you pass value onto next in the manufacturing process or whoever you need to support or whoever you need the support from. So we really think of everyone as the customer. Absolutely. And so it's like these titles that aren't just only about who buys from you and taking care of them. Because if you take care of your people, you'll get more of those actual buying customers as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got three different departments and one is our experience department. And then the other one that I'll mention right now is our revenue department. And you would think that, well, it's just revenue. It's just like we're only concerned about how much revenue that Zengers can create as a company, like how many tools we could sell, how many machines we can sell, all that kind of stuff. But it's actually the revenue team is charged with not only revenue for the company, but also producing bottom line revenue for our clients too. So it's like, what kind of process improvements can we make for the client that increases their yeah, revenue? Yeah, like, why should I buy from you? Am I going right. to get the best price? It's exactly. Like, well, maybe, but you're going to get the best value. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the revenue department and the experience departments are both multi-dynamic. Yeah. They go in a lot of different <laughs> the directions. The old word. Exactly. The hat there. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so let's get to our main course. I'm going to introduce our guest today. He's a friend of mine. He's a personal and business counselor slash therapist for me. So like, he's the one I meet with him once a month and we talk about all the stuff that I got going in my life and business because it all overlaps. He's also the leader of a mastermind that I'm a part of. And he's also, more importantly than what he does just for 
me, but he co-founded Eden Business Concepts. And what they do is they mediate conflict in the business environment. They do a lot more things than that, but that's a big part of what they do. And prior to conflict mediation and leading masterminds, he has worked in juvenile corrections, behavioral counseling, pastoral ministry, executive career development, and coaching C-suite leaders. So he's done a lot. And Good he fit has, with our podcast. Yeah, there you go. And he's got degrees to back all this up. I've never called him doctor. He's never asked me to. And I actually didn't realize until recently that he had his PhD, but he has his master's degree in counseling psychology and a PhD in education, both from Trinity International University in Deerfield, Illinois, right close to us. Welcome to Making Chips, Dennis Humphrey. Dr. Dennis. Hey, thanks for having me. I knew this was going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Welcome. In addition to that, I didn't even mention this, but you actually have your own podcast too, which people can yep. check out as well. So, How do they find it? What is it? Let's plug it really quick since you brought it up. What's the name of the podcast? It's called the Thrive Space Podcast. Thrive Space Podcast. Yeah, and we're okay. out on the Apple platform there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So Dennis, we kind of set this up already. Respect, value, and approval. Where do these root motivations come from? Sure. Well, they really come from a biblical theme, a theme that runs through the Bible. People in the Bible had three big problems. They were prideful. They didn't want God to be God. They were idolatrous. They went and sought value other than God, or they had trouble being faithful. They just didn't believe God would care for them and look after them. And so it comes out of the Bible. And so my partner and I have been working in nonprofit, ministry, NGOs forever, just doing conflict mediation org development. And we started to see these themes again and again in conflicts people were having. And so we took a closer look at it and we started to realize these are like core motivations that every human being has. And we saw that as we looked at the behaviors coming up, we had these other words that came up like respect and value and approval. And we started to look at it and see, I think everybody operates out of one of these three things. We all have them. But in the midst of conflict, in the midst of strife, one of these is going to rise to the top. And so respect is just that. People are motivated to win, to be respected, to be right, to have clarity. People want value. They want to receive value. They want to think their value. They want to be understood. Or the third one is they want approval. They want people to say, you're good. You're good with me. And we just started to see this manifest itself all throughout all the organizations we were working with. And so we started to ask this question, what hurts the most? So that's how you figure out? That's the limit. So okay. like inevitably one of these rises to the top is like the motivation that kind of, I guess, motivates the individual the most? Yeah, absolutely. And so for a respect-based person, more than anything, they want respect and they want their ideas to be accepted and they hate it when things aren't clear because they don't know if they'll succeed. And so what hurts the most for them is to be disrespected and fail at something. For a, a value-based person, they want to be understood and they want people to tell them they're valuable and good. And so when they don't feel valued or they don't feel understood, it's painful painful for them and they'll move away from situations that don't give them value. And approval-based people, they just want to be liked and loved. And so when they're not approved of, they will feel inner pain. They'll feel emotional pain. Okay. So how do you pull that one to the top? I'm sure that's like, there's a lot to that. Can we dissect Nick right now? Sure. You've probably done it with me before, right? Yeah. All right. I will be yeah, the you're guinea pig. you're a value-based person. Am I value-based? Okay. And so I'm an approval-based person. So I'm coming in here just worrying that you guys like me and <laughs> yeah, like let, what I do for you. Let's make me the guinea pig. Yeah. You guys can just... Okay. If I start weeping, though, we're not going to publish yeah, this. There you go. Okay. <laughs> you're going to get to all Nick's daddy issues. <laughs> I got to 
great relationship. Right just now. kidding. It's just how we started that. Yeah, just sorry, Dean. I'm just joking around. <laughs> Go ahead. So ask the question: What hurts most for you if you were disrespected and you failed at something, or if someone said, "I don't understand you" and you don't bring a lot of value here, or if someone said, "I don't like you, I don't love you, just get away." I think from the me. second one. The second. That you're not bringing a lot of value to the equation. Okay. That one's. I felt the trigger the most. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So when you're trying to explain something to somebody and they're just like, Nick, I just don't get you. I don't get what you're trying to do here. That's going to be painful. It's funny because like I lead the sales team. So what I try to do is describe the value of something that I want someone to buy or why I want them to partner with us. So yeah, I think it is the value one. Sure. And it makes sense that you're in sales, you know, because that's all about promoting the value of what you have. And so that's the same thing as me. And so that maybe explains why you and I are conflict with each other sometimes. <laughs> when I tell you that you're a dummy and your idea doesn't make sense. <laughs> and when two value don't. people get together, they'll recognize value in each other and they'll continually tell each other, hey, you're valuable here. They understand that's all you each gotta do, Nick. That's all me and Jason do. We just constantly <laughs> right. make each other feel awesome. <laughs> So what happens in a conflict, one of these is going to rise to the top. Okay. It's a need. It's like this inner core. I need this to feel okay. When we don't track with that, what happens is there's a series of behaviors that are going to start that have actually a downside and a dark side. And we can talk about the upside in a little bit. But for the value-based people, it's very easy for them to try to rig a situation so they can receive value. It's all about- Like being manipulative? Can be manipulative, political- yeah. Okay. You watch politicians work. It's all about value. It's all about moving the situation so everything in the cameras come to me. So that's funny, Nick, because you talked about this before and you always make the analogy to like game theory as it relates to business. And I'm always talking about like playing chess and I always want to be five steps ahead of the person (laughs) that I'm with. And so that kind of makes sense what you're saying. So because then you can position yourself to be valuable and then someone's going to go, hey, you're valuable. Yeah. 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 It's wild. Honestly, like, what's the motivation for creating a podcast? Like, we wanted to bring value yeah, to other manufacturing leaders. Yeah. Like, we wanted to have something that they listen to and it brings value to their lives. That's when you get a hold of your root motivation. You start to understand how, like, myself as an approval-based person, I can be a people pleaser. I can tell you yes when I should tell you no, all because I want value. Well, that's the dark downside of that. Each one of these has an upside. The downside of the respect-based person is they will drive for clarity because they need clarity to succeed and they'll walk over people because it's about their success and people can be functionaries in that. But when we start to recognize this and we just say, you know what, I don't need to operate like that, then the upside, the gold comes out of it. So as value-based guys, one thing you're going to be really good at is you recognize value in almost everything you look at and you see the upside of it. And when ceases being about you, you can turn around and inspire whatever value is in front of you. Hey, Jason. What's the first thing you think of when I say the word setups? You're not making chips (laughs) and you're not making money. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the biggest battles that can hold you back as a manufacturer. Absolutely. So enter the Lean Setup Guide from ProShop. Okay, what's that? This guide can help anyone, whether you're a ProShop user or not, but ProShop users have experienced a 50% reduction in setup time because the software builds these lean principles into their process. Yeah, so it's a totally free download. You can go to proshoperp.com slash 50 and you can get your copy of the Lean Setup Guide. Bam. Jason, I think we're both pretty good at like when someone's just getting started in something being like, they're going to be great. Or like, we should bring them on the podcast and give them a platform because they're going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then it always comes back around. We don't do it just like 
to extract all the value out of people necessarily, but like I think we would both be really great if we were in the Shark Tank seat and we right. could try to pick the winners of future yeah. entrepreneurs. Yep, absolutely. No doubt. I think like secondarily, I'd probably be more of like an approval-based person. I think we both know somebody very well who's a respect-based person and that's their driving motivation yeah. above everything else. So how do we work when we're being unhealthy? Okay, so with each one of these, well, let me say it this way. We all have expectations in life. We expect things to go a certain way. And when that doesn't happen, the natural feeling to have is disappointment to a lost expectation. The trouble is when we're not paying attention to our expectations and each motivation has certain expectations, respect, value, approval. If we're not paying attention to that, those start to slide into entitlements. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think expectations are one of the things that really like just they're a big problem. And like, I know me in my, like even in my marriage and when I changed my expectations around things, that was when I really started to get clarity and I almost got myself out of like my own narcissism. It's like, well, I shouldn't have this. But you're going to have expectations no matter what, right? No matter what. They're well, there. But the goal but, would but be- But what to... he said is it could turn into an entitlement. Yeah. And that's when I think it gets ugly, right? Like I'm entitled to this thing, right? So right. I have the same issues. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you can kind of relate those expectations back to your humility too. Because sure. it's like if you're not being humble enough, that's when you have those expectations. You're like, this person should do this for us. When I get home from work, my wife should be running to the door giving me a hug. But in reality, that's not what's happening. And that's very narcissistic thinking of me to think that because because she's exhausted from the kids. Same thing. Like I get back from a sales trip and I'm like, I missed you so bad. I've been gone for four or five days or whatever. Yeah. She's she's like, like, I miss you. You haven't been taking care of the kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Here you go. I'm going out. Yeah. 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 And it's like, what do you mean you want to go out? I just got home. And it's like, yeah, I got to be able to put myself. And and that same thing, I think that can translate here to the workforce where you can have certain expectations of your team that just aren't healthy and you can have just different motivations that I'll let you finish. So unevaluated expectations they can start to morph into entitlements. And now we're acting like we're owed, right? And that's where it it becomes really bad. So a respect-based person, when they're not paying attention to that, they'll drive people to succeed for their success because they hate to fail. They'll pound people to get the clarity they need out of them. And almost their humanity goes away. They treat people as functionaries. Oh, like kind of that whole adage of when you're just treating people like an object. Like like a resource instead of a human. Like remember Bobby Knight, Indiana basketball? Just... All of that. Yeah. yeah. Throwing chairs, choking kids. When we get a hold of the expectation or the entitlements and we drop that, we just say, you know what? I'm not owed respect. I'm not owed value. I'm not owed anybody's approval. What happens is we actually can start to operate out of the light side of that and the good side of that. And so respect-based people are really good at bringing wisdom to situations because their demand for clarity, their need for clarity, they evaluate stuff really quick. They can see it really quick. They can move it really quick. You guys, value-based people, when you drop your entitlement to have anybody give you value or worship you or like you in that regard, what you do is you turn that value back on others and now you inspire people. So value-based people, when they get a hold of their entitlement, they bring inspiration. They see what others are capable of and think about that in the workforce. And guys like me, approval-based people, we're your peacemakers. When we stop worrying about what people think of us, we can walk into a room and go, okay, who has need here? Now, we're the guys that walk into the meeting going, holy cow, is it tense in here? And the respect buddies guy goes, it's not tense. We're just getting stuff done. Uh, yeah, I'm like, no, you but you're killing everybody in the process. <laughs> what does the approval-based person do when they're unhealthy? They're a people pleaser. 
Oh, okay. okay. In the workforce, approval-based people, if they don't feel safe to bring bad news, they'll hide bad news. Oh. And that's killer. The CYA, okay. yeah. They'll cover yeah. themselves up. Yeah. Right? That's a killer in a business when someone knows something and doesn't bring it up the chain where it's really needed. Yeah. This kind of also, you mentioned about like when a value-based person is healthy. And I feel like when I'm healthy in a leadership role, that is like my primary role here on the team is just inspiring the rest of my team. I mean, what's and the greatness. mission of making chips, right? Yeah. Equip, equip and, and inspire. inspire. Right, yeah, exactly. Like we even wrote yeah. that into the exactly, show. and so like it kind of goes back to what's that other test with like the six components of it by Patrick Lencioni? Oh, working genius, working genius. Like I think my second strongest working genius was I don't remember the name Are of you it. Galvanizer, galvanizer. Thank you. Yeah, yeah the ones so that inspire. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I like this framework. It makes sense. So let's apply this to okay, our listener, right? Our listener is leading a manufacturing company. Maybe they're a contract manufacturer. Maybe they have their own product. Maybe they're leading a function in a manufacturing business, but how can they take what we're talking about with these root motivations and inspire their team or bring wisdom or create a better leader? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, as a leader, just recognize your own, right? And figure out, do I operate out of that entitlement? And is that helping my people? Is it helping my cause, my business? Is it like recognizing maybe when you're getting emotional or something? When you get into conflict, when you and I get into conflict, our root motivation becomes operative. And like in a conflict, if I'm in conflict with you guys, it might be difficult for me to be bluntly honest with you and say, hey, you're wrong. Because if I want you to like me, I don't want to bring you bad news. I don't want to do or say anything that would turn you guys to not like me because that's my thing. So really easy. It's like, look at your people. In a manufacturing environment, you got lots of diversity. You know, you've got people in the office, you got some engineers there, you got some guys out on the shop floor, you got a shop foreman. And if you start to look at your people, you start to see how do they operate? If this person's idea is rejected, do they fight for their idea? Do they demand that their idea be listened to? Or when something's going wrong, are they over there like 20, 30 questions on someone? Probably a respect-based person because they need clarity because they hate to fail and they hate to be wrong. You've got someone in the office that's, you find them crying in the bathroom, right? Because there's been a conflict, probably an approval-based person in some regard. Sure. So step one is the self-assessment and kind of like being self-aware of what your motivation is. And then step two is the recognition of that in others. And let's say you recognize that. I'm sure we're probably uncovering a lot of what's in your book and on your podcast, but there's probably different ways to treat different people. You can't just broad brush, Sure, you know, one size fits all with this. So once you know yourself and once you know the other person that you're working with or your employees, this is really becomes a language of the heart because this motivation, we believe, sits underneath a lot of the personality stuff that we do. That's all great stuff to round out the picture of a person, but at their core in relationship, this is kind of what we believe how to function. So you can actually start to speak their root motivation language or the language of their heart. So for you guys, I would use value-based language. I would say, I recognize in the podcast just what that's bringing and and the venue that that provides for manufacturers that they don't get elsewhere. And I see how you're doing that. Yeah, you did that to us. I feel amazing now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you did that to, uh, to us in the very beginning and you're like, I knew this was going to be fun. Right. Like that was one of the first things that you said to us when we started talking and that made it feel as though like I was bringing value, even if it was just being fun, like I was bringing value to the situation. And you're not doing that in a manipulative no. way. You're doing it in a way, like you said, where you're trying to speak from their heart. And you're trying to speak to that person's heart. Yeah. You're actually trying to care for them mm-hmm. and you're trying to motivate them. Right. And so for a respect-based person, if they bring me an idea and it just can't fly, 
We don't have budget. We don't have time. We don't have resources. The thing I'm going to say to them is you brought me an excellent idea. We're going to have to table it. Yeah. But I really like the ideas you bring to me. Okay. Because you think well. Yeah. And I'm going to talk that way. And an approval-based person, I'm going to say, I really like how you care about everybody around here. And this is the key. It's like the five love languages right, we yeah, all right, read about. Yeah, yeah, that book or and they teach us to talk the other person's love language. What we're saying here is speak their heart motivation, speak their root motivation language, and just watch how they, one, start to trust, how they let down less conflict. How they maybe contribute more. Yeah. So Work if you're harder. speaking your own language, because yeah. that's what you understand, and you've got a key lieutenant in your business. This guy or girl is so crucial to your own success. And you're like, I just, I don't know. I've tried everything. I'm not able to create any positive change. And I need them to change positively or else I'm not going to hit my goals or whatever. Maybe it's like you don't understand them or you've misdiagnosed what motivates them. And you're kind of like speaking a language they can't even understand. Right. Like I, as an approval-based person, I know that if I talk to a respect-based person, I need to give them clarity I need to accept that they're bringing me ideas that are important to them and listen to them. And if I do that, they'll actually spend time and listen to me. Now we can have an engagement because they don't have to fight me on that base conflict level of their need for respect. And well, and Nick, if I could push back on you a little bit on this, I think one of the things that you said was you're trying to motivate that person, but you were saying in context of like you were trying to motivate them to meet some kind of ends that you had. Like I want to meet my quota. But I think when you're dealing with these root motivations, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dennis, you want to speak to somebody else's heart. Whatever you're coming to with them, you don't want to be speaking to what you want. You want to be speaking to what they want. And so like what you want really shouldn't matter in that situation. It needs to be about what they want or else it's not going to be relevant to them anyway. I hear what you're saying, but I'm just thinking in terms of a business leader. Sure. Like yeah. you have performance that you have to achieve. Yeah. And so that means you have to motivate others yeah. to help you achieve that performance. And you might be speaking a language that they don't understand. Is Could it be. selfish to motivate? motivate somebody so you can hit your own goal? I think that you need to look at like what their motivations are. So like I would take it like, are you talking to like a quality control person? You know what I mean? And like there might be a person in that position might have a particular root motivation that you need to speak to that's more applicable to what they're trying to hit. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying there. You're right. Right. So for instance, like take an approval based person, you're going to use stuff that says, hey, we like having you around here value-based person, you're going to say, we like what you bring to us. Respect-based person, we're going to say, we like how you see clearly what needs to happen. Yeah. You're just going to tweak your language to so it lands on them in a positive way. Not just what you like, but like you need, like it's not compliment time. It's something you need to change mm -hmm. in that person. Yeah. And that would be like your way to lead them. Like we need this to be different. Is there, can yeah. you do what you just did on the kind of negative right. reinforcement side? Or? So my business partner and I do this with each other. Okay. He's high respect base and his need for clarity in order to feel good about working a problem or so he understands so he can succeed with what he wants. Sometimes I'll say to him, I said, John, you're just not going to get clarity right now. And when I say that to him, he knows his motivation. He'll go, okay, all right, I'll hit the pause button on it. Like there's no way for me to provide that to you because no, it's, it's not I, clear yet. I can't give you the clarity. And for me, because I'm an approval-based person, he'll literally say, well, getting tense and he'll go, you know, I like you, right? <laughs> and I'll go, yeah, you do. It's okay. All right. Let's have our conflict. Okay. Gotcha. So if yeah. I could go back to like the example that I was giving, like speaking to a quality control person, like, and Dennis, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I would imagine if you have an approval based QC person, they're going to want to be, like you said, that community builder. 
And maybe when you're talking to that person that's an approval-based person that's in QC, you can let them know how their impact affects the rest of the company, whether they're on target or whether they're not on target, if they're that approval-based person. Or if you're talking to like a value-based person that's in QC, you would probably talk to them about the amount of knowledge of quality control they bring to the table and how could we possibly be doing this incorrectly given how smart they are. Yeah. So so here's an impression practice one for a quality person. So you could say something, and if I screw this up, coach me, Dr. Dennis. So you could say, hey, when you're like afraid to share the quality issues that we're having, because you're trying to cover it up, then the people who are working for your department aren't going to trust you or want to be around you or like you as much because you're not open with them. Would that be kind of a way to maybe phrase it differently? If you're having that problem, you can have candid, crucial conversations. Those are all still important. You're going to say something like, we like it when you tell us what's going wrong. Don't hide that from us because we like you here. We like what you're doing. You don't have to be shy about bringing us news we don't like. It can be that simple for them. That's a way better way to say what I was trying to say. I love it. It reminds me of the story where these Japanese Toyota production system people visited this American boss in one of the books that my brother made me read. And they were like, hey, he's giving them the whole tour of the shop. And he's like, yeah, this is going so well. This is going so well. And at the end of it, they were like disappointed in his performance because he just talked about all the success and didn't talk about any of the challenges or any of the problems or any of the things that they were working on. And they were like, well, your job is to uncover those and bring them up so that you can fix them. Not to like talk about how amazing the shop performs. Yeah. And a respect-based person on that tour is going to go, I know not everything's right here. Well, Dennis, this has been like, I really appreciate this. And I'm going to try to use this as much as I possibly can when I talk to people and try to figure this out. I know when you and I talked before, you said you're actually working on a means of asking people a series of questions in order to uncover their main root motivation. Is that correct? Right. That's our goal this year is to get a more uh, quantitative instrument on this. Right. But in the meantime, people need to just ask themselves the question. What hurts most? What hurts most? To be disrespect and fail. If you misdiagnose this, you could think, oh, you're an approval or you're a respecter. Yeah, you don't want to do that. And then you're screwing it up the whole time. And yeah, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Don't use this as a weapon. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I'll say this. People can look like they're one thing, but be another. And I'll give you an example. I have a person in my family very close to me. She's my daughter. She's a competent physician. Really great at what she does. ER doc, pediatrics. Just really top shelf smart because of her mother, not me. (laughs) (laughs) But when Liz... When she doesn't think she's being approved of, the emotion that will come out of her is anger. And you'd think that it'd come out of a respect-based person. But when we ask some questions, she'll say stuff like, yeah, I just don't think they like me around here. And so it's always back that question, what hurts more? Yeah, what hurts most, yeah. When you ask that, people usually settle in. And like you said, Jason, you say it, it resonates on the inside. And that's the litmus test for the person. That's interesting. So where does the Metalworking Nation go to get more information on these three root motivations or to get a hold of you? The easiest way is to go to EdenBusinessConcepts.com, okay. go to our resources page, and there's a PDF there they can download and take a look. And it's rather self-explanatory. And they could even just take that and sit around their, throw it around their team and just have a discussion around it. Okay. And it's really productive. And I'd say, take it home with you and do it around the table at home and you'll see the same kind of stuff. 
Okay. How are we going to do that? How young? I mean, like, can Nick and I do it with our young children? Oh, yeah. You'll see it. Because our thought on this is that this is kind of hardwired in right from the go. Yeah. Because we see it in small children and just how they act. So from a practical standpoint, if we were going to do that at the dinner table, that's one thing. We could do that awkwardly. If we were to do it during like a team meeting... You just need to explain these and then you need to ask what hurts the most. And then is it just asking is lack of approval hurt you the most? Is lack of bringing value, lack of respect? I mean, how do you actually frame this in a manner that from all levels of the company are really going to understand? Sure. That? So if you do it with a handout, people will just look at this and go, oh, that's me right there. Okay. So they resonate on it. But it's really simple like this. So for respect, it's a respect-based person. What hurts most for them is being disrespected and failing. For a value-based person, it's to be misunderstood and devalued. For a approval-based person, the very simple thing is to be disliked and unloved. And it's that simple. And you just ask that question, which one of those hurts the most? And people usually, if they fuss a little bit, because sometimes you have two that are close together, but the more they talk, they go, yeah, I'm really that. Yeah, I think I'm definitely close on the approval and value, but a little bit higher on the value. That's cool. I like it, Dennis. Really interesting concept. And I can see how a leader would apply it to just make themselves better, make their employees better and make their company better. Yeah. Try doing that as an exercise at your company. I think it would be a good use of time, like maybe start with your immediate leadership team and try to bring this out, try to figure out what their root motivations are. Yeah. And if you felt like we brought any wisdom inspiration. You didn't bring any wisdom or or value, Nick. I did not inspire. (laughs) I confused people and I made them feel at war with this podcast. You just brought zero value to this podcast, (laughs) Nick. You know, that hurts the most, Jason. But if you feel that way about this... Maybe Making Chips brought some value to you. Don't go give a review because we only want five-star reviews. But yeah, if you listen, Apple, whatever, Stitcher, Spotify... It's called Apple Podcast, not Apple whatever. Whatever you listen on. Rate, review, and refer it to a friend, another leader in manufacturing. We would appreciate that. And if you want to get a hold of Dennis, go to EdenBusinessConcepts.com. And you can also find him on LinkedIn. I've been tagging him in some stuff. So go ahead and connect with him and ask him your questions. Jason, what's up, man? What's up, Nick? Take a guess. How many buyers do you think are on ThomasNet? I don't know, probably a million. It's actually 1.5 million. Nice, that was close. And they use Thomas to source suppliers just like you, man. Yeah, they're looking for cutting tool suppliers like me and also manufacturers like the Metalworking Nation. And I actually know a bit about Thomas. And one of the things I really like about it is the supplier analytics dashboard. You can see which companies are actively sourcing what you offer and gain insights into market demand, buyer intent, and comparative benchmarks and much more. And it's awesome that it's free to claim your profile. So you can make sure you're listed the right way, your company information is accurate, and the message that you're sharing with these buyers is exactly what you want them to see. You do this at thomasnet.com claim. But if you want an edge over all the free listings, you can consider a registered listing, and we have a special Making Chips deal for our listeners. Yeah, so let me tell you about that. Listeners of Making Chips get a 25% off the annual subscription with the code CHIPS25, C-H-I-P-S-2-5. Bam! So, Dennis, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. How do we end it? Well, if your team is constantly fighting with each other because they don't understand each other's motivations, you're not going to be making a lot of chips. And if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam.